this weekend recap edition, the final weekend recap edition of the NFL season. I, Russ Heltman, and my co-host Patrick Fetch dive into all of the playoff spots that are napped by each and every team searching for that glory into the final week of the 2020 season. The Cleveland Browns punch their ticket for the first time in almost 20 years, as do a litany of other teams across the AFC, leaving one hapless team left out of the musical chairs. And then the seventh seed, Mediocrity strikes in the NFC with the Chicago Bears making it at 8-8 eight eight amongst other teams throughout the National Football Conference. Patrick Fetch and I get into all of that across this Monday edition. You can catch it on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and give us five stars, subscribe, rate, and review. Do all that good stuff to continue supporting the Ride in the 3 by 3 movement. Let's get in to lane number one. Cruising into lane number one, the final time for the 2020 season. Patrick Fetch joining me. I'm your host, Russ Heldman. It is the NFL recap edition of Round the 3x3 coming at you on Monday, January 4th. Giving you the lowdown on everything week 17 across the NFL. We had teams punch their ticket to the playoffs. We had one team, unfortunately, left out of the AFC musical wildcard chairs. And we're going to get to all of it with every single game happening across the afternoon and into Sunday night on the uh, most beautiful day of the year, Week 17, getting the fates decided as uh, one Cleveland Browns team took out Mason Rudolph and P- Patrick Fetch's Steelers. We're going to get to all that good stuff, as will the uh, the Bengals allowing the most rushing yards in their history and a crisp 400-burger out of the burgeoning and rising Baltimore Ravens. We'll start right there, Pat, as we get into lane number one. Welcome into the show. My Bengals, they uh, had their sights set on the uh, the old concourse gates at C- CVG Airport in Northern Kentucky with the 38-3 defeat to the Baltimore Ravens who punched their ticket to the playoffs. They get into the number one spot in the wild card round. They'll be taking on the four-seeded Tennessee Titans this upcoming weekend. An amazing performance by the Baltimore Ravens, who put up 404 yards rushing, uh, highlighted by the Ohio State product, J.K. Dobbins, taking what his Buckeyes showed uh, over the weekend and uh, uh, putting a little exclamation point on it with a performance of his, of his own. Absolute beatdown. That one was, Russell, what was that number you said? 404 yards rushing. I, I, all That's I can tough. do is laugh just looking at it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, that is, that is humbling to say the least. The defense has a lot to, uh, lot to improve on going next year. They've got a lot to plan for with uh, a Ravens rush game. That's got going anywhere. Ravens officially cemented themselves as the team nobody wants to play. Uh, that's all I was doing as I was watching Mason Rudolph in the JV Steelers play yesterday was just wondering what situation leads to the Steelers not having to host the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> in round one of the playoffs. Luckily, luckily, the Buffalo Bills took care of business and helped the Steelers out in that regard because, boy, do the Ravens look scary. Boy, do they have their swagger back. And uh, in a situation which would be an all-time fumble uh, if the Ravens would have dropped this game to the Bungles and not made the playoffs, uh, they went into Cincinnati at Paul Brown Stadium, took care of business and I think you're right I think the Bengals I think each of them had their uh their travel plans outside of Cincinnati and to each of their respective off-season homes planned <laughs> uh right after this game minutes after this game 
a lot of looking ahead happening on that Bengals roster. Brandon Allen, 6 for 21, 48 yards, 2 interceptions. I mean, Ryan Finley, was he injured? He could have done something a little bit more than that. Pat, tale of two Brandon Allens from his career-high performance of 371 yards against the Texans the week before in a uh, thrilling 37-31 victory <laughs> that I enjoyed in the uh, beautiful Siesta Key down in Florida to me watching in the doldrums with overcast skies as he has the worst recorded yards per attempt, Pat, in a single game in the history of the Bengals. The next closest was Boomer Esiason back in the early 90s with a 2.56 yards per attempt effort. Against the Detroit Lions. Fitting it was against the Detroit Lions. Always got to bring it back to another member of the Bermuda Triangle of football. Even though <laughs> one of those members, Pat, got into the playoffs. The Cleveland Browns, which we'll go right there next. Getting into the uh, the rest of the 1 p.m. slate. 24-22 victory for the Cleveland Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mason Rudolph, who was actually surprisingly efficient in this game. 8.1 yards per attempt for him. He had a decent day, but it was not enough in the end. Uh, Two-point attempt falls short as Baker Mayfield calls. Uh, I laughed at this, Pat. I don't know if this is actually like aimed towards Colin Cowherd, but the play that they called was. was Maserati. And if people remember, back when Baker Mayfield was drafted by the Browns, Colin Cowherd said that he was more of a Mazda instead of a Maserati. Uh, I think it would compare it to like Sam Darnold or something like that. So... Fitting way for the Browns, Pat, to not only get the job done against their most hated rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers to punch their ticket to the playoffs, but also uh, with a little stick to the critics at that. And I'm happy for the Brownies, Russ. I really am. They were uh, one of my playoff picks at the beginning of the year. People might have laughed. People might have scuffed. People might have not believed in the Cleveland Browns, but they did it. Baker did it. The whole team did it. Huge credit to the change in culture that's happening. Huge credit to Kevin Stefanski. I mean, this team did a, what, six-game improvement on this year. Turns out their roster wasn't terrible. Turns out they had a lot of talent. Turns out they had a bumbling buffoon leading the team last year. But this Browns team is very, very good. It's going to be, uh, I think, a short playoff exit. The Steelers sitting, mm, their seven best players still were within a two-point conversion of tying this game, putting it over time. If you're the Browns, I don't know how great you feel about that. Mm -hmm. They still didn't uh, didn't throw the ball extremely well on a Steelers defense, again, who was missing a lot of key pieces. And so, yeah, Mason Rudolph didn't look awful. I think, unfortunately, as a Steelers fan, Mason did cement his position as the backup quarterback next year for a Steelers team who doesn't seem uh, to have any interest in looking ahead and planning for life without Ben Roethlisberger. But... All in all, seemed like a good game for both teams. Browns did what they needed to do, got to the playoffs. Steelers played well, played with heart, played with some swagger, and uh, got a got a good look at the Week 1 AFC playoff matchup. What do you think? you think the Brownies have a chance to go into Heinz Field and stick it to the old Steelers next week? Pat, do you know when the last time the Browns beat the Steelers in Heinz Field was? I'm assuming like some garbage time. I think week, it was like 20 the years ago. first game the teams ever played at <laughs> Heinz Field. It was 17 years ago. I don't know if that was the first inaugural season. When did Heinz Field? Was that 2002 when it was built? Something around there. Something yeah. around there. So, yeah. Uh, right, yeah, baby Heinz Field felt the pain of that one. But she has, uh, she has been a cold, cold demon for the Browns ever since. 17 seasons since the old Brownies got the job done. But you know what, Pat? I'm not going to count anything out. This Kevin Stefanski team, I think, is well-coached. 
uh, you made a great point there. It, the fact that seven starters, as you mentioned, out of this game. But, like, Mason Rudolph, Pat, 8.1 yards per attempt. Big Ben, has, ben? Big ben hasn't hit those ceilings in a long time for, uh, for the Steelers' offense. It, it was fun, at least promising, I guess, to see the offense do something a little bit different at times. The wide receivers played a great game. We're able to get some separation in key moments, so... Hopefully, we were just hiding a lot. Hopefully, the Steelers' offense has been saving a lot for the playoffs. That's what I've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, when you think about um, like the lack of downfield threat that Big Ben has showed overall, Mason Rudolph has been uh, pretty solid, or he was pretty solid in that game. Four of nine for 157 yards and a touchdown on throws of 20-plus yards. So, I don't know. Maybe he uh, might be the breaking case of emergency if things do turn south. But you make a great point. Defense overall, I think, going to be too much for this Browns team. They fall uh, fall to uh, to the to the the fates at Heinz Field for what would that be? Seventeenth, seventeenth straight year or eighteenth straight year? It's <laughs> it's too many to count now. Too many to count with the uh, the life of Heinz Field over there. Moving along, but congratulations. Cannot give enough congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. They break the curse. 18 years without seeing the playoffs. Hats off to Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. And when you look at uh, this entire division, if you're a Bengals fan, much, much different than the last time this Bengals team went 4-11-1, turned around the next year, swept the division. Very, very tough organizations, very strong organizations across the other three teams right now in the AFC North. Looking at the uh, the flip side of the conference in the NFC South, we'll uh, mosey through this one real quick. 33-7, to quick, clean, easy victory. A nice little tune-up game for Drew Brees over the Carolina Panthers. To me, this kind of screams to me overall, outside of the Saints holding on to uh, their number two seed spot and uh, going to be taking on the hapless 8-8 eight eight Bears next weekend. Drew Brees, 201 yards, three touchdowns. Nice to see him getting back in the form. Ty Montgomery was their only healthy running back, Pat. Played very nicely coming off the Packers practice squad. 18 carries, 105 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, though, not the answer. P.J. Walker, not the answer. The Carolina Panthers, uh, looking at a nice, crisp top-10 pick here, need to uh, evaluate whether or not they want to push in all the chips, trade up, and maybe deal with a team like the Cincinnati Bengals to go after a true, true-born signal caller for uh, the team in Charlotte. I, I guess it's pointing that direction. I was pretty confident in the, in the Panthers doing a little, uh, a little busting late in the season on the Saints, but you're right. I mean, the quarterback play was uh, there was a lot to be desired. Uh, and that end, when it came to the Panthers, it seemed like both quarterbacks were on their way to getting benched if they had a third-string quarterback. Uh, worth anything in Carolina, I'm sure he would have gotten some looks. And this Who's that, that? Will Greer? Got, is so. that the third string guy? Oh, God, is that who it is? <laughs> yeah, no, no wonder he didn't get any reps in that game. But, yeah, you're probably right then. They're probably going to be uh, looking long and hard at a quarterback. Do you think uh, Matt Rule will be a candidate to try to go get one of those veterans? I mean, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, there could be a few pretty uh, interesting names on the market. Could you see the Panthers go in that direction? That would be kind of intriguing if Joe Brady were to stick around right there. If he makes it through this head coaching cycle, one of those veterans coming into that system would probably vault Joe Brady right into the top tier next season and maybe do wonders to turn around one of those uh, those uh, kind of floundering careers right now. I like that idea, Pat. I like that idea. Something to ponder as we get into the offseason. We'll be diving into all that stuff once we get closer to free agency and beyond. Looking at a team that unfortunately – uh, was dreaming of playoff hopes just a couple weeks ago and now is facing the depths of the offseason. 56-26 drubbing 
by the Buffalo Bills. It's the first time in NFL history that a team leading the league in points allowed on defense gave up 50-plus points in a single game. The Miami Dolphins collapse on defense, and they cannot muster up enough firepower on offense once again with quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, who... 360 yards, yes, but an inefficient 35 of 58, one touchdown and one back-breaking interception that was returned all the way to the house. Kind of put a little exclamation point on what was a very impressive season out of the Buffalo Bills. Really made me just eat my take on Josh Allen. He is a bona fide top 10 quarterback right now, and I believe they are the biggest threat currently to the to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. Oh, they're absolutely the biggest threat to the Chiefs, and they are. There's not a team hotter in the league, if you ask me, Ross. Yeah, only loss since what beginning of October is again is the Hale Murray, right? Yeah, is the Hale Murray, and if you look at the last, uh, let's say, five weeks, thirty-four point win on the Niners. They beat the Steelers mm-hmm. in a primetime game. Dominate the Broncos in Mile High. Dominate the Patriots in Foxborough, and then absolutely dominate the Dolphins with all the swagger in the world to finish out the year and to, uh, to secure that number two seed. It, there was so much swagger. It was Patriot-esque almost when you look at that division, think about that division, for them to just put the absolute beat down to uh, put the final explanation point on a year. I love what the Bills are doing, and they're definitely scary. They just, they feel, you know that they feel like they're the best team in the league too. That's almost just as scary as being at the confidence they're playing with is uh sky sky high so yeah who who got to who got lucky enough to draw the bills is that the um the colts the colts bills is the matchup we're getting yes that'll be a great game a great game uh matchup for josh allen i love the bills in that they're just going to be too young too athletic too quick i think in that game but um yeah the bills are hot they are peaking at the right time i was right about josh allen you were wrong i just want to say that again (laughs) but um but no the bills the bills look great the dolphins I guess they are who we thought they were, right? Just uh, a mediocre team, maybe playing a little bit above their head. Had a great season still, too, but Brian Flores obviously, obviously has uh, that organization going in the right direction. And I think we need to pump the break on the Dol- breaks on the Dolphins a little bit. I don't, I don't think anyone had them as a playoff team this year. No one thought they'd win ten games. So the fact that they're even here, and now we have people trying to get above their skis and say. Tua Tagovailoa should uh, should get a, another quarterback drafted in the top five, and they should ca- they should compete in, in training camp. Like what? What are we doing here? It's a no brainer option. Billy O'Brien gifted you a top three selection. You go out and get the best player available, add him to your offense, and you never look back. Or you trade back and get even more draft capital to help flesh out this team around two attack by low on top of really evaluating Chan Gailey and this offensive system to make sure that that's the best thing for two attack by Loa. and all and my honest opinion I don't think it is they need to formulate this thing a little bit more around a New Orleans Saints type style offense more quick eat intermediate passing game instead of quick short passing game and utilize the arm strength and the ability of Tua to uh, hit those deep crossers like he was able to do with all that speed at Alabama. And you maybe start by adding one of his favorite weapons in Devontae Smith. Where do you fall yeah. on that, Pat? Do you think they should do you think they should take a quarterback potentially and evaluate them against Tua? Or do you think they should trust their own judgment with the top five selection last year? kind of take everything with a grain of salt, look at him coming off an injury, and uh, add another weapon. Well, they have so much draft capital that it, it lends them to the ability to be creative and take a couple chances like that. 
I'm not in love with Tua, but I think they've proven they've been able to do just enough, even with a lack of explosive weapons. So yeah, I don't. I think I agree with you. There's no reason to panic if you're the Dolphins. Go out and try to you know replace Tua with the perfect quarterback. Absolutely not. Uh, and there's so much wide receiver talent, whether it be Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, one of those you know fantastic receivers from Alabama, or Jamar Chase way up high in the draft. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be guys there. So I definitely think you can let Tua. You know, give him another year to grow. I don't think there's any reason to panic. And if anything, hopefully he just improves his asset, and uh, you know, another team's willing to take a chance on him because there's no way, no way the league as a whole is seen Tua as uh, you know someone that the, the the league as a whole hasn't given up on Tua as much as the Dolphins might not see him as the uh, the perfect solution for the future. Let's get some more games out of the way that aren't as impactful on the rest of the playoff picture. Vikings versus Lions, 7-9 Minnesota versus 5-11 Detroit. I'm sure Lions fans are very pleased that the team had a nice valiant effort, entertained them on the final Sunday of the 2020 season, but they ultimately fell to keep themselves within the top 10. 37-35 to the Minnesota Vikings, who, after a 1-5 start, uh... Got a little bit of a, of a justifiable record out of there. Saved Mike Zimmer's uh, job from the hot seat a little bit. But ultimately, uh, outside of a very nice, efficient year from Kirk Cousins, not a lot to hang their hat on uh, outside of the obvious Kirk Cousins year, as I mentioned, and then uh, the duo he created with rookie Justin Jefferson, who set the Vikings rookie record, breaking Randy Moss's yardage total back uh, from the late 90s. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a little bit of positive with the Vikings. It's tough, uh, you know, COVID year, starting the season the way they did. But I'm not going to completely give up on the Vikings. I think there's uh, at least some hope to bring from it. They're in a tough division, tough things. What's Kirk's contract looking like? How many more years does he have left in Minnesota? Well, they they were going to, this was going to be his second to last year on the deal, but I think they re-upped. So I believe he's got three to four more years left on the deal. He's pretty much married to them. They're, uh, they're in the cool, yeah, so great lake or in the land of 10,000 lakes. So nothing's happening with this team. I mean, it's, it's, it's staying the same. And so, uh, I don't really know. You know, it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're a team that's in purgatory. I definitely think this is the team we'll see in the playoffs next year. We both picked them as playoff teams this year. I, I'll do the same thing next year. I mean, looking at their schedule, they lost some tough games. I mean, they lost the Packers, Colts, Titans, Seahawks, Falcons in five of the first six games. You know, we've seen the Falcons. They've been up and down. Outside of the Cowboys' loss, though, you know, ending the year, Bucks, Bears, Saints. I think the, the Vikings had a little bit of just a, a tough year, tough schedule, but... I'm not falling. I'm not completely falling off this team. I love the Zimmer, and I love uh, I love some of the talent this team has. So if they can build that defense back up to be formidable like it was, they still have a chance to be very interesting in the for, in the coming years. I'm right there with you. Mike Zimmer, I believe, is a is one of the best teachers of defense in the NFL. Who helped this young unit reach its potential in 2021. Getting to Jets Patriots, 28-14 victory. The beat goes on for Bill Belichick against his former team to leave the hapless Jets with a 2-14 and record and the second overall pick in the draft. Uh, and then the Patriots end up 7-9, and two wins short of what I thought they'd be this season, more like a 9-7, and 10-6 team, but a few bad bounces of the ball here and there and some uh, some terrible dribblers on easy, easy throws from Cam Newton, ultimately did this team in, even though he still showed off the athleticism at times, uh, becoming the Patriots, I believe, all-time leader in uh, quarterback touchdowns and, or rushing touchdowns and 
uh, quarterback rushing yards in a single season. So in his one year with the team, as it appears they will be uh, parting ways after just one season, Cam Newton got it done on the ground, but didn't do enough through the air to help this team get back to the playoffs as their drought, uh, as their uh, excuse me, streak of playoff bursts ended at right around 12 years, dating back to 2008. Definitely a year that both teams will be happy to forget and happy to move on from. The Patriots, I have no idea what direction they go to. I think you, uh, a lot of this is using the assumption that Bill Belichick is going to be the football genius, football god that he is. Just rebuild this team from a front office standpoint, but I do not know. Getting to Cowboys, yeah, it's just uh, like, I, I guess you go maybe with the trade-up route, but they don't have a ton of draft capital. They're sitting in the middle of the first round. It's kind of tough. We'll see what they uh, try to do. Most likely, I think, maybe an option for Matthew Stafford, like you were saying, or Matt Ryan, or one of these veteran quarterbacks, to maybe try to jumpstart their career a little bit in the back half or in their early 30s. Giants, Cowboys here, 6-10 and 10 team, almost narrowly becoming the first one in NFL history to make the playoffs as the Giants were hoping the Eagles could get the job done against the Washington football team on Sunday Night Football. But alas, despite their 23-19 victory to end the season, Joe Judge's squad could not crack into the playoff field. Wayne Gallman almost fumbled it away on the final drive of the game, but he sat on it. It gave him possession. And the Dallas Cowboys, who uh, were surprisingly getting... Uh, some debate going between whether or not Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott should be the quarterback of this team next year. That was uh, firmly solved with this one. Game on the line. Andy Dalton throws a hapless, just disgusting interception, third and goal, leaving this team with no options at the end of the football game, at the end of their season. A team that I had high, high hopes for at the beginning of the year. thought it would be the best offense in the National Football League. Uh, just brutal injuries throughout the trenches and the worst kind of injury overall to their quarterback left the Cowboys America's team quote unquote outside of the playoff field once again boo 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 both of these teams so happy that neither of them were able to make the playoffs uh just disgusting football the Giants almost just trying to do everything they can to give that game away late Andy Dalton doing what he does best which is a sit in the pocket like uh just helpless and unaware, taking six sacks for 44 yards. I mean, everything about this game, puke, puke, puke. So happy I don't have to watch another NFC East matchup on my football screen this year. That's that's what I have to say about this game. Dealing Tom Brady. That's what we're going to call him now, Pat. He is the chameleon. This guy is an alien. He can take any form, anytime, any place. People were like, oh, Tom Brady, how's he going to be able to deal with this super type of air raid offense, uh, big run and shoot, deep ball predicated system from Bruce Arians? Oh, I don't know. He just led the league in air yards per attempt and uh, was in the top five in overall yards per attempt. This guy was an incredible, incredible season at the age of, uh, or what is he, 43 years old? Yeah, yeah. Let me check my clock. Yeah, 43 years old. He tossed for over 40 touchdowns just the second time in his career. Four more in the season finale, 399 yards, picked apart a hapless Falcon secondary as he uh, helped his buddy Antonio Brown get 11 catches, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Um, a bevy of those stats to contribute to his $250,000 bonus that the two were trying to uh, combine for at the end of the season. Great job by Tom Brady looking out for his teammates, looking out for his own stats as well as he continues to take more and more forms and show that he is at the top of his game nearly, uh, what, where we were getting on uh, almost 25 years of Tom Brady in the league. Incredible. Yeah, 
talk about teams who are peaking at the right time. I, I said the Bills at the AFC side. I think the Bucks might be that team for me on the NFC side. They've been playing really, really good football over the last few months. I guess outside of that, really, that first half against the Chiefs in which uh, Tyreek Hill just went bananas, they played really, really well over the last you know seven weeks. Four wins to go into the playoffs. I, that Chiefs game had a real good game against the Rams where they just fell. Dominated the Panthers right before that. Chiefs have been, or the Saints, I'm sorry, have been the only team really to have their number this year. So uh, they're going to avoid them for the short time being. But I don't love, don't love the matchup that they're going to face. I guess we'll probably talk about that a little bit later when the football team comes across our ticker. But talk about a team getting hot at the right time. I think this is a bit of a prove-it game for Tom, too, going into the playoffs. He wanted to show that he still got it, that this offense is uh, more and more than equipped to enter the playoff run. Mm-hmm. And when, Yeah, and I, I was actually, I misspoke a little bit. I meant a top, top five in air yards per attempt for Tom Brady. He actually leads the league in air yards per attempt at 9.2 per pass, but he's also top 12 in average yards per attempt overall, 7.6 on the year. That ranks number 11th, just ahead of uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson, and right behind of Matt Stafford and Phillip Rivers. So he's passing the ball deep, really completing those uh, those massive deep balls, and he has a huge bevy of weapons to play with. We'll see how well he's able to deal with a Washington football team front that I'm sure will be able to pressure Brady more than the 11% he's had to deal with over, I believe, the last uh, six to eight weeks. That easily paces the rest of the NFL, and it's going to be a big matchup key for that wild card uh, battle this weekend. Getting to another team that just narrowly snuck into the wild card despite getting drubbed by, uh, I believe, uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be my MVP and everybody's MVP on their ballot right now. The Green Bay Packers, 35-16 exclamation point for Aaron Rodgers to uh, stamp his ticket to, I believe, his third overall MVP. Enter that vaunted group in NFL history. 240 yards, four touchdowns, another clinical, surgical, efficient day out of the veteran quarterback. Chicago goes 8-8, eight and eight, Pat. They sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think it's a uh, playoff berth that a lot of fans are going to be very happy with to, just looking at the trajectory of this team right now. I don't know. If you're a Bears fan, I think you're happy with this playoff berth. Uh, really? Regardless. You don't Are you happy? So. Are you happy, Pat? Are you happy if, are you <laughs> happy if Mitch Trubisky gets another, gets another deal? Is that a thing you're happy with? A much happier than I was during that six-game losing streak of Nick Foles or whatever the, whatever the world was going on. But at on least if there. that I mean, continues, you know you could get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or someone that gets you out of Mitch Trubisky life. <laughs> Mitch has looked good. Stop stop hating on Mitch so much. Give, give credit where it's due. Mitch looked a little bit more confident, had a little bit more playmaking ability in his last few weeks. Mitch has gotten so lucky over the past few weeks. He's thrown some of the worst <laughs> passes I've ever seen. Some of the drop interceptions he's had... Uh, Anyway, like, congrats, 8-8 eight and eight Chicago Bears. They sneak into the 7th seed. This is the exact reason why they were critics of the, the NFL expanding to 7 seeds, Pat. <laughs> You're being a little bit harsh. I think uh, while I'd rather have seen some of the other teams in the NFC sneak into that 7th seed, as they might have a What are we doing, Arizona? How did Arizona let this happen? I blame Arizona. That's who I blame, Pat. You I can blame definitely Arizona. blame it. Blame yeah, blame Minnesota, blame Arizona, yes, because, there I go. mean, it was their spot to lose. It was their spot to lose. They just let the Bears back into it, literally fall down, shoot themselves on the each foot three times, and fall into that seventh seed. We'll see what happens. I mean, the defense still has names on it. Khalil Mack, still one of the highest-rated players in the NFL. 
they could still uh, cause havoc to Drew Brees. They did. I want to say they knocked Drew Brees. Uh, they got the best out of him at least uh, two years ago last year. I could see I could see the Bears putting up a good matchup. Tough that they're going to have to go into the dome to do it, though. Matt Nagy's going to have to figure out how to be a, a smart football coach for a day. <laughs> that he will. That he will. We'll see how that uh, that interesting 2-7 matchup plays out this weekend. Rolling along to another game with very little impact, actually zero impact on the playoff race. The Raiders finished 8-8 eight and eight in a thrilling 32-31 victory over to the Denver Broncos. I'm going to be honest, Pat, didn't pay a lick of attention this game, except for the nice deep touchdown by Jerry Judy, who led all receivers with five catches for 140 yards and a score. Somehow, someway, Drew Locke and his Denver Broncos figured out a way to uh, lose the football game, and apparently it caused uh, John Elway to get promoted this week. He's going to be moving <laughs> up higher into the organization as they now search for someone to take over GM duties there in the Mile High City. The Raiders just refuse to play boring games. I guess that's something mm-hmm. that you could uh, that you can mark down if you're a fan. A team that resides in Vegas, you expect nothing else than them but to uh, play wild, crazy, just brainless football, which at times is what the Raiders do. But uh, it was exciting. It was some high-shooting, classic NFC West ball, a- AFC West ball, I should say. And as someone who uh, took the over, I was paying a little bit of attention to it and was rewarded for that. So, uh, But that's about all I have to say about that one. All right, Pat, you take over the rest of the way here as we close out Week 17. Sure, I'll take over. We, we kind of bounced around, so let's just find some games that fell through the cracks. How about this one? A good AFC South matchup. Tractor Cito, the star of this game. 34 carries, 250 yards. He breaks through the threshold of 2,000. The 2K club, Derrick Henry, in a 41-38 to victory for the Titans. Congrats to Derrick Henry. That is a huge feat. Very, very impressive. That is an Ironman feat. Uh, definitely. And the Titans do what they do. Uh, they go over in games. They run the football. Tannehill, extremely efficient. Had another fantastic year, Ryan Tannehill did. We've given him plenty of shouts out on uh, on the pod, but deserves maybe one last one. But yeah, I mean, the Texans, Deshaun Watson, fantastic. Let's hope, uh, I think, can we, can we join the rally call that let's get Deshaun Watson out of Houston. Let's save <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Let's protect him because... He's so exciting. He he creates electricity every time he's in the game. But uh, the Titans, not the Titans team that I think we want to think it is. A, a team, you know, coached by Vrabel and uh, runs the ball with Derrick Henry. They are high power. They're electric. And they're going to have to put up points if they want to do anything in the playoffs, Russ. Eighth player in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards as Derrick Henry Leads the NFL in rushing for back-to-back seasons. First player to do that since LT back in 06, 07. And he surpassed Chris Johnson, who had 2,006 yards back in 2009, finishing with a franchise record 2,027 on the year. He is the engine for this offense. But in the end, Pat, it was the efficient passing attack of Ryan Tannehill to his big monstrous receiving core in A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Davis shades over the the um, high safety to give A.J. Brown just enough space on a 50-plus yard catch to set up a 51-yard field goal by, uh, actually, no, Sam Sloman set up a nice chip shot field goal after Houston got a 51-yard field goal. But the 50-yard catch by... Um, A.J. Brown was just a really great, great play call, great setup, great bait on the safety, and a just massive 
hands type of big-time player move by A.J. Brown. Didn't think it was going to happen, but you can't be kept caught sleeping like that if you're the Houston Texans. They had nothing to play for in that instance. All they had to do was make sure no big plays over the top. 18 seconds left. Cannot expect them just to kneel the ball there. Yep. Not at all, not at all. So the Titans are going to go into the playoffs three-point home dogs against the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Very interesting line. I wonder what line they would give you on rushing yards in this game. you got the number (laughs) one and number two teams in rushing going against each other. 191 yards per game for the Ravens, 168 yards per game for the Titans. We might see 500 yards on the ground in this game, Russ. That will be an old-school football fans. Uh, uh, it'll be a fun one for, for all the Ironheads out there on, uh, on 110. What, what is that? What have we had, like 650-plus yards on the ground between the Ravens rushing attack and Derrick Henry himself? So, um, Incredible. Yeah, we, we had a great weekend of rushing so far uh, throughout this, uh, this, uh, this Week 17 heading into that matchup in uh, the wild card. Super wild card weekend, as they're dubbing it. Very, very right on that one. But we can move it along. Move it along from there. We'll be excited to see how the Titans go in the playoffs. Let's get another one that fell through the cracks. Chiefs and Chargers. Well, this game happened. Uh, Chad Henney, I guess, started for the Chiefs. It was Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Yeah. One of those JV situations. Justin Herbert did play very, very well. 22 for 31, 302 yards, three touchdowns. And definitely, I think, submitted his place uh, winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. A lot to look forward to if you're a Chargers fan. I think uh, maybe the only true secure quarterback of the future from last year's draft, only saying that because the injury poor Joe Burrow mm-hmm. sustained. But um, you know, Justin Herbert has looked fantastic. His arm is electric. He seems like a great leader. Uh, the Chargers, to get to 7-9 and nine on the year, I think I've forgotten about them, at least myself. I forgot about them very early on in this year. So uh, to see the type of heart... Pretty impressive. End of the year with four straight wins. Absolute gutting to the draft stock that they once had. And um, is that going to save Anthony Lynn's job? Well, Pat, well, Pat did you see the news of t- today? He's gone. No, Old Lynn's gone. gone. The curse of Lynn he's got gone. him. Yeah, he was not able not to uh, to escape uh, the curse of Lynn, even though I thought he might have pulled it off after the 45 nothing drubbing at the hands of the New England Patriots a month ago. He's rattled off four straight victories, but ultimately... Not enough in the eyes of the Spanos family. They show Anthony Lynn the door as Justin Herbert in this team and this job, I believe, Pat, is one of the best in the NFL. Tom Telesco going to have his hand-picked choice of uh, of head coaches here over the next few weeks and, and months' time. So we'll see what happens there. Not much else to add here. Great job by Justin Herbert. Another three-touchdown, 300-yard performance. He looks like an absolute stud right now, and he's playing like a top-10 quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers to close Justin, out 2020. Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, if they could get any, new stadium. Maybe they need to focus more on getting a new medical staff instead of getting a new coach because <laughs> that might help them a little bit more. <laughs> it might be step one. That'd be a, that'd be a huge upgrade for sure for the uh, L.A. Chargers. But let's move it along. Let's, let's stay on the West Coast, on the sunny, sunny West Coast, and let's stay in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Rams, a team that... We were both very high on, I believe. At least I was. I loved the Rams this year, and they barely, barely, barely got it done for me and for you, for everybody who had faith in them. 18-7. to 7. It was ugly. It was not the Rams we're used to. Johnny it Wolford. Was, yeah, Johnny Wolford. This was the matchup between CFL 
legends apparently, uh, you know, against minor league football legends. And uh, I'm still not even sure how to say his name. I had the game on mute. Chris uh, Strebler, 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 and CFL John legend won the Grey Cup yeah. with the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I believe, last year. So yeah, don't Huge. worry, you're not gonna you're not gonna need to remember the name, so you can forget it already. But um, <laughs> season's over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, season's over. Cliff Kingsbury. Everybody thought that he was gonna be the young dark horse, bring the team into the playoffs. He had the team rolling. They were five and two at one point. They uh, they lost. Five of their last seven, Russ lost six of their last eight, six of their last nine, I should say. It was uh, a tough way to end the year. Kyler Murray definitely, clearly, obviously struggling with a little bit of injuries, a little bit of bruised up, battled up. But um, you have to be disappointed if you're the Cardinals. Uh, disappointed, but optimistic. The defense, I think, looked really good down the line. I think pretty promising for the most part. But when uh when the pride and joy in your team your number one overall pick and the uh, offensive genius guru that you have at your head coach when they put up uh 12 and 7 points in two deciding weeks in week 16 and 17 against division foes not just a, it's definitely yeah definitely a sour way to end the season if you're uh, the Arizona Cardinals Johnny Wolford leading the Rams and uh rushing pat six carries for 56 yards looks like uh, uh, he took it or sean McVay took a little page out of his buddy zach taylor's book when the Bengals beat your steelers a couple weeks ago with the uh quarterback runs and they weren't necessarily like just there were a couple designs in there but it was a lot of just instinctual moving in the pocket from john wolford so good job from him he just kept the train moving didn't make a lot of disastrous mistakes outside of his first ever NFL pass where it was uh, intercepted in the red zone or in their own inside of the Rams own 20 so decent performance by Wolford but looking at this Cardinals team it's uh, the first game, six games they need to be four and two or better next season for Cliff Kingsbury I think to survive the hot seat because like the bottom line is they have to adapt. They have to show an ability to do something other than putting DeAndre Hopkins in a three by one set and saying, go out and figure it out. Like the, the Cardinals were very easy to decipher down the back stretch of the season. They didn't do a lot of self-examination. They're going to have to do a lot of it in this off season to make sure they figure things out. And I'm big, a big Kyler Murray fan, but these little nicks, these little bruises are the big reason why evaluators were, or some of the evaluators were down on him coming into the draft because he is a very small, diminutive guy. He is going to take a little bit more punishment. It's going to be harder for him to recover, especially if uh, this offensive line situation does not get figured out soon. But not much more to say about the Cardinals. Congratulations to the Rams. Three out of four seasons making the playoffs with Sean McVay. That's right. And the Rams are one of those teams I think they just needed to get in. And uh, they're going to have a very, very interesting matchup as well against the Seahawks. Those division matchups, I know as a Seahawks fan, they probably do not. They're probably not very excited to uh, see the Rams across the way, no matter their success against them. But um, it'll be very interesting. I'm uh, very, very intrigued in that game. Who would you rather have at quarterback, Goff or Wolford? <laughs> Is there a big difference at this point? <laughs> Especially if Goff's got a bum hand. Like, I don't know, man. That's that's going to be very difficult uh, a, a proposition for the Rams to figure out regardless, going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Although, if we want to move to that game right now, Seahawks versus 49ers, Pat, the oh, yeah. Seattle offense has looked terrible of late. Russell Wilson's only averaged 7.5 yards per attempt once over his past eight games, and that was when he had just 7-6 against the Jets. Like, there's a big problem with Seattle. There's a huge problem with Seattle. They've been limping their way to victories recently, it seemed like. Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, he was the bona fide MVP. We'll go straight into that game, of course. 26-23 win. The Seahawks did sneak out of San Francisco with the dub. Uh, like Russ mentioned, though, Russ and the Wilson, Russ Wilson, has just been shaky. It seems like, uh, you know, it seems like he just doesn't really want to, he doesn't have a lot of confidence in the play called. He's There's a lot of improvising going on. There's a lot of scrambling. There's a lot of just do-it-yourself going on. And when you have the talent and the playmaking ability of Russell Wilson, the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and the different weapons he has, it can work, and, and it gets the job done just enough. But when you got uh, Aaron Donald breathing down your neck and some other, uh, some other better defenses, I don't know. The Seahawks are a little bit worrisome. They seem like they're trying to let uh, their playmaking ability reign supreme over the strategy of football, and I think that's a very risky uh, football strategy. Uh, especially over the past six weeks, Pat, haven't seen a 100-yard game, or past five weeks, have not seen a 100-yard game out of DK Metcalf. Feels like defenses are starting to shade coverage more towards the rookie forcing uh, Tyler Lockett just to beat them one-on-one. And yes, Tyler Lockett's a great weapon, but when you don't have the one-two punch power of those two guys together, like we saw in the first half of the year, it really hamstrings the overall effectiveness over the top for this passing attack. And that's exactly what we saw against the San Francisco 49ers where Russell Wilson, a decent day, didn't make any huge mistakes, but only 181 yards. uh, What do you go? 20 of 36. So, it's just it was not a very efficient day. Five yards per attempt. They're gonna have to figure that out, and they're gonna have to be much better uh, against this Rams team that I believe will be able to manufacture some offense against Seattle. And there's always the problem when you're dealing with Aaron Donald in the middle and the DK Metcalf kryptonite and Jalen Ramsey, who shut down another top tier wide receiver once again this weekend in DeAndre Hopkins. He has been well worth that contract they paid out to him. I was critical of them dealing so much draft capital on top of having to pay him a top-tier deal, but he seemingly has been well worth it so far. And uh, I want to say this. The Seahawks kind of remind me a little bit of the way that the Steelers' offense stalled. I think Tony Romo made a comment during the Steelers-Colts game where he said the teams adjusted to the way that the Steelers' offense was playing, adjusted to the talent and skill they had at the playmaking positions it seems like this is the Seahawks turn now uh they were lights out at the beginning of the year putting up 35 a game people couldn't stop Tyler Lockett they couldn't stop DK Metcalf it seems as if defenses figured out a way to make that adjustment been holding this offense to uh points in the 20 and it seems like it's the Seahawks offense's turn again to adjust to whatever is happening to leap to be a little bit more creative and to throw another little bit more of a wrinkle into that offense. Hopefully, I'm sure a lot of Seahawks fans are looking at the way their offense is operating, hoping that, uh, just like I am as a Steelers fan, hoping they've been saving a little bit of uh, extra juice and some creativity for that playoff run. Mm-hmm. And something that's really working out well in the favor of the Seattle Seahawks is they have not really had to face a tough quarterback matchup. Not obviously going to have to face another tough one this weekend, whether it's a bum hand in Jared Goff or John Wolford. Dating back to, I'd argue, Josh Allen when they lost 44-34 back in October or uh, early November because like they had the Rams the next week. Sure, Jared Goff, he's more of a mid-tier quarterback right now. And then Kyler Murray, decent year this year. And then Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, Rams again with, a, with the injury to Goff last week. And then C.J. Beathard this past weekend. They have really lucked out so far with that defense finding its way over the past eight weeks, but doing it 
against uh, not necessarily the cream of the crop in terms of signal callers. You make a great point. I just looked at that schedule and you are 100% right. Lucky for them, like you said, they're going to uh, not face the most... Uh, the most intimidating quarterback matchup this week, and uh, they're going to get lucky at least till round two of the playoffs. So I don't know. There's not a lot of not a lot of quarterbacks that scare. Well, even the, uh, then, Drew Brees, he's the, probably the quarterback they'd want to play in the right, and in, he doesn't seem division. He doesn't so. scare me too much. So things could shake out well for for Seattle. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it definitely could. I I I had them as my Super Bowl team out of the NFC, and that is certainly not lost. I don't believe. But, yeah, uh, I like it. I like it. Let's uh, let's move it along. I believe we have one last game to knock out here. It is the football team. The football team that plays in the District of Columbia. The Washington football team. They did it. They are the champs. The NFC least champs at 7-9. and nine. They take down the <laughs> it's Philadelphia over, Eagles. It's finally over, Pat. It's finally over. It's finally over. And the Philadelphia Eagles, it is over for them. Finishing the season at 4-11-1. Oh. Oh, 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 if you are uh, if you're an Eagles fan, I'm sure you're just happy for it all to be over. Alex Smith, 22 for 30, 262 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. He does just enough. He does just enough to secure the division win, and uh, they should call it the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award and give it to Ben Roethlisberger this year. That is the uh, that's the decision I made. <laughs> Spoken like a true Steeler fan. Right there. As the big storyline of this game, Pat, was people all up in arms about Nate Sudfeld getting playing time. And why did they bench Jalen Hurts when they were only down 17-14 at the beginning of the fourth quarter? Like, I get I get the outrage of taking out Hurts right there. But the bottom line is Hurts has been terrible throughout the, the majority of his time starting for the Eagles in the back half of the season. He's got the worst completion percentage in the NFL since he took over the starting job. He was 7 for 20 for 72 yards and a pick in the game through the air. Yes, he scored a couple touchdowns with his feet, but like they were just kind of hap- they were just desperation scrambles. So if you want to see what you have in Nate Sudfeld, I get it. I would have probably handled it, you know, maybe giving him some reps in the beginning of the game when the whole um, entire uh, thing wasn't hanging in the balance. But I'm not an NFL head coach. I'm not Doug Peterson, so uh, that's that's not necessarily that wasn't my call. But overall, I don't I didn't get the outrage, Pat. Like, who cares? Like, sure, let Nate Sudfeld come in. He uh, he was he might have given you a little bit more than seven for twenty for seventy two yards and a pick. It may shock some people that football coaches lack a uh, general sense of perspective and (laughs) self-awareness, but I believe that is simply all that happened. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's uh, the end of the world, and it makes a lot of sense from a football standpoint. Your season's lost, kind of a tough game, interesting situation to put in a guy, Nate Sudfeld. I mean, let's let's face it, Doug Peterson has uh, caught lightning in a bottle before when it comes to backup quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, like you said, 7 for 20, 72 yards, a pick, 3.6 yards per attempt. It was an ugly, ugly day for Jalen Hurts. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're Doug Peterson and you didn't know that this type of backlash was coming from whether it be the NFL media, sports media, your own fan base, or whatever it may be, um, I mean, you're probably just a little bit dim-witted, I think, because uh, it was obvious that this type of reaction was going to happen. I just don't think he either didn't care or didn't know that it was going to happen. I don't know which one is the better excuse for Doug Peterson. 
I don't know if Doug Peterson needs to have an excuse because I don't know if Philadelphia brings him back next year because this was just an all-around disaster, disaster of a year in Philadelphia. Uh, Carson Wentz doesn't seem to want to be back. The Eagles don't seem to want him back, and you already sort of uh, damaged your relationship with Jalen Hurts in a, kind of a, a meaningless game. So a very, very interesting technique by Doug Peterson. But hey, got the got the old sixth pick instead of the ninth pick, Pat. Gotta love there you that. go. And gotta love that. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what you should be playing for, in all honesty. So, hey, maybe that he had that at the back of his head. Exactly, exactly. All right, lane number three, closing it out. That was week 17 in the NFL, the final week. Bittersweet a little bit, saying goodbye to the regular season as we move in the Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll be giving you all of our playoff picks and Super Bowl predictions for the NFL playoffs coming up on the midweek episode, as well as a little deep dive into the college football playoff and looking ahead to the national championship. But first, we got to wrap up the NFL year with our MVP of the season, our coach of the year, and our fumble of the year, our worst fumble of the season. I'll start with my MVP, Pat. Overall, it's pretty much cut and dry to me. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Um, Just... A four-year gap of going from a top three, bona fide, number one option, best thrower in the league guy to, uh, you know, a decent quarterback, still very good, still top 10, not necessarily at the elite level. Well, something clicked this season, and if if anybody saw it, you were probably paying attention back in April when uh, the new recipe or the new ingredient was added to the recipe with the drafting of his quote-unquote uh, his his uh, successor to be in Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers said, okay, I'll just go ahead and uh, put up my highest passer rating, net yards per attempt, touchdown rate since 2014, his last MVP award selection. And to me, this is a pretty much no-brainer. Aaron Rodgers, 48 touchdowns on the year, leads the NFL in that category, fewest interceptions thrown, uh, this guy, or top th- top three and fewest interceptions thrown. This guy is the MVP to me, and it's pretty much right there in every single metric. He is the league leader in QBR, passer rating, top- total EPA, EPA per dropback, adjusted yards per attempt, cut and dry, Pat, any stat you want to pick. It's pretty much led by Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I won't take up too much of your time because I'm right there with you. I think Aaron Rodgers is the clear and only choice uh, once we get to the end of the year. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they made a great run out of it. We can uh, give credit where credit is due. But that plus 43 in the touchdown to interception ratio is uh, quite the sight to behold. It is beautiful to look at. And he was just uh, surgical this year. He was awesome, especially with um, you know the limited weapons to which he has available to him in Green Bay uh, with the very interesting draft approach of Brian or of Matt LaFleur. All around, uh, Aaron was just Aaron. He, he led that team to where they are now, and he should and will, I'm assuming, win the MVP. The, I think the one case you can make is volume and, and shouldering the weight of the offense, which I would give the edge there a little bit to Mahomes because he has thrown uh, more. He has more pass attempts. Then Rodgers has had to carry a little bit more weight. But to me, it just kind of speaks to, all right, well, Rodgers just went in and got the job done a little bit more efficiently. 13-3, and three, not not a huge difference in record. Both teams, number one in their respective conferences. Got to give the edge there to Mr. Rodgers. Your coach of the year, Pat, who do you have here? Coach of the year was tough. And so I guess I'm going to take a little bit more time here because I think there's a lot of very, very good choices. Um, 
I had Stefanski on my list. We talked about him earlier. The jump that he was able to make with the Browns this year was extremely impressive. Put his head down. Seems like he just had the boys playing really, really good football. Uh, another coach, Ron Rivera. I mean, sure, they went 7-9, and nine, but for him to lead that team, all the turmoil at quarterback, all the different things, I thought that was a really, really, really impressive job done by Ron Rivera just to get his team across the finish line into the playoffs. But my coach of the year, I'm going with Sean McDermott. Uh, 13-3, the Buffalo Bills do it. They win the division. They get over a hump. They do just so many things that Buffalo hasn't been able to experience in so long. And for his team to have the swagger, for them to go on the run they did late in the season, for the jump that Josh Allen made, for uh, the just seamless transition they've been able to make with Stefan Diggs uh, entering that offense. I got to give it to Sean McDermott. Just a complete year for the Bills. I think he deserves it. He's my coach of the year. I like it. Sean McDermott, solid selection. I'm going to go ahead and take Stefanski then. Kevin Stefanski leads this Browns team to an 11-5 record. They get into the playoffs for the first time since 2002. Didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Took the talent that the previous regimes have built. Him and Andrew Barry um, just admitted and installed a nice analytics-based approach. And to me, with this scheme he's put Baker Mayfield in, it's really unlocked the most efficient best aspects of his game he's one of the top five quarterbacks in overall cpoe and epa composite efficiency this year and for him to do that on top of having to deal with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball losing greedy williams at the start of the season losing odell beckham midway through the season all these different types of things i usually wouldn't give it to a uh, a team that hasn't necessarily reached the top tier of their conference, a wild card team in the Cleveland Browns. But I like the storyline. I, I I hate to admit it, but I, you gotta love the storyline there for a guy to get this type of franchise over the hump so quickly in terms of reaching playoff status. You gotta love that. Absolutely, absolutely do love, and I think you make a great selection. Uh, no arguments over here. Stefanski, well deserving. As is McDermott, for him to take Josh Allen from where he was two years ago as a rookie to what he looks like now as a bona fide top 10 quarterback, collapse all around to those two coaching candidates. I'm sure uh, one of them, I think one of them will be the selection. Both of them very, very well deserved. Fumble of the year, Pat. I'll go ahead and go with it right here. It has to be awarded to the man whose previous team has no selection yet played poorly enough to earn a top three pick in the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. The guy left a burning, sinking ship with a just a, a, a beautiful captain playing beautiful football at the helm. But that's not enough to turn uh, to turn the uh, to turn the thing around and, and keep it afloat. As Deshaun Watson, and that's about it, is left with the Houston Texans. They have basically nothing in the wake of Bill O'Brien's tenure there. That's my fumble of the year. It's got to be Bill O'Brien from what he did in the beginning of 2020 all the way to his hapless ending just a few weeks into this um, entire season. Brutal. Brutal stuff for Houston Texans fans as they hopefully get a true head coach into the fold to turn Deshaun Watson and this team into something that city can be proud of and something NFL fans can be proud of. I want to see Deshaun Watson playing many full football games. It was so much fun to watch him take on that Buffalo Bills team last year in the wild card game. We need more stuff like that out of him, and I hope to see it very soon. 
poor Bill O'Brien. He's been gone for weeks now. Literally been gone still for weeks, maybe straight. months. And he's still catching fumbles of the week. Absolutely <laughs> brutal, brutal showing from Bill O'Brien. It's hard to argue with you there. I'll just give out another one, though. I just mentioned him. Uh, Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Whatever in the world happened. I don't know. I don't know whatever in the world happened in Philadelphia. But uh, Philly Philly feels a long year. time ago, Pat. Oh, my God. They started this year merely we could still call it merely months removed from Super Bowl championship glory they had a uh, former you know MVP caliber quarterback who was going to come back and lead them they had a very promising backup quarterback that they snagged for reassurance they had a tremendous defense leadership all around and somehow ended this season 4-11 and 1 and maybe we all should have known something was awry in week 3 with uh that tie with the Cincinnati Bengals that uh, set the tone, I think, for the rest of the year for the Philadelphia Eagles. There is a uh, very confusing future ahead for them, and I don't think Doug Peterson is a part of it, nor do I think he should want to be, but he definitely gets some of the credit for uh, what is the current situation of the Philadelphia Eagles. City of brotherly love indeed. We shall uh, see how much love they show to their only Super Bowl winning coach, over the past 40 years. That'll do it for the 17 weeks and the entire NFL season of riding the 3 by 3 Monday recaps. For Patrick Fetch, I am Russ Elman. We'll get back to you on the weekend preview slash midweek edition of riding the 3 by 3 We'll continue to have multiple episodes per week throughout the, uh, the entirety of 2021. Happy New Year to everyone. For Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman. See you in a couple days, everybody.